can't tell the difference between my waking life and dreams. It must be very difficult. The voice is in your head. There's chaos in you. Embrace it. Bonus episode. There's already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can you erase it? Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Culture push over pop culture. Leftover. And with the uncool kids, what's gonna say has already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Hello, this is Randall Park, and you are listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Hey, welcome to a bonus episode of Pop Culture Leftovers. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And Doing we're the leftovers. leftovers. Yeah, that's how we do it. Jake, what's going yeah. on? Dude, I, I, I'm, I'm letting everybody know right, right off the top of the show, I've been sick all week. It started, actually, it started Sunday night, Jake. Went into Monday morning and I thought I was okay on Monday. I was like, ah, I don't feel great, but I'm alright. Went, went about and did my day like I usually do. And by fucking Monday night, I was fucking, I was fucked up. I've been fucked up all week. I started to finally feel somewhat better today. And, uh, yeah, gonna do my best on this Moon Knight episode to, uh, to talk about this one with our guests. But man, it's been a rough week for me. I've been sick. Yeah, that's rough. I, I've had that happen before too. It's like, oh, I feel better now. And you go about and do all your shit. And it's like, you made it worse by doing yeah. all that activity. Exactly. Yeah. You're just breaking down your immune system, you dumb fuck. <laughs> that's what i did all right we are there to talk with us on this episode about the first episode of moon Knight. we are joined by neil Thalander from smorgasbord howdy what's up dude it's been a while good to have you back it has it has been a while it's always good to talk to you guys and especially about moon Knight. yeah yeah, yeah. uh and we are also joined by shift and tristan brown welcome back shift and tristan Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to talk about this one. Absolutely. And we got another person. Ah, This is a fucking roundtable, Jake. We got Joe Stark from StarkCast. Hey, excited to be here. (laughs) Neil, what are you giggling about over there? I know. It's the the trademark. Hey, happy to be here from Joe Stark. Before we jump into the the Moon Knight portion of the episode, we do have a contest. I have to go over it this week. It is for The Contractor, starring Chris Pine, is now in theaters and available on digital and on demand when a discharged elite special uh, special forces sergeant is desperate to provide for his family. He contracts with private military force and unravels a deep conspiracy, sending him on the run for his life. Buy or rent the contractor and watch it today. It's rated R from Paramount Pictures. And we've got five digital copies, and you can get one of these digital copies. 
all you have to do is I'm going to be putting out a Facebook post on Facebook and a tweet on Twitter. And all you have to do is retweet or share the post, take a screenshot, send it to me at contest at popcultureleftovers.com with the title, The Contractor. And next week's episode, I'll go over the winners for The Contractor uh, digital prizes and you'll win a copy of that movie. That'll, that's awesome. Chris Pine movie. There you go. Yeah, that is awesome. I can't wait to see that one. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, enter the contest for the contractor. Again, it's contest at popcultureleftovers.com. That's where you can send the entry. All right, guys. Let's jump in to Moon Knight episode one. This, uh, and I, I saw this on, Online, it, if you go to Disney Plus and you look at it in the, in the order of the timeline, this one's showing up after Hawkeye. So this has taken place. This is the, what's wild about this is that the the MCU project that is taking place the furthest in the MCU timeline feels like it's the most least connected of any MCU project that we've seen come before it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they could have placed this anywhere, and you would have never known just from the content of this episode. Honestly, like any yeah. MCU kind of, I guess, like any MCU connections that we can form is, is, in my opinion, I don't know, for everything I've picked up, unless you guys picked up on something else, is just a theory at this point. Because this feels so disconnected. I mean, I guess you could try to make connections to maybe the Eternals because of the, you know, going way back in, 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 in time and stuff and with the gods and Egypt and all this stuff. But honestly, as far as just like straight MCU Easter eggs, I didn't see any unless they were Moon Knight Easter eggs. No, there weren't no. any, I don't think. And, and I, I think that kind That's of a good plays, thing. plays into what the show is about, which is, a, you know, his isolation as a person dealing with all these different personalities and and all these unexpected events that <laughs> pop up um it really kind of helps set this this character up to be on his own as, as he is as a you know as a comic book character yeah yeah no i like it man it's 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 um it's it's kind of like oh actually hold on let me ask this question. Do you think by the end of once we get all six episodes, do you think by the end of this we're going to have his introduction into the proper MCU or do you think it's going to end with Mark Spector Moon Knight basically just kind of being set up for a season two or I, I, I honestly think that there's got to be a post credit scene that's going to lead into some sort of like blade midnight suns kind of like team up at the end of this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely think yep. there's going to be some connective tissue established by the end of the season. Um, I'm not sure how strong they're going to go into it. Cause I don't, I don't know if they know exactly where they want to go yet with the character, but I, I think they're going to establish him in the world as a whole at some point in, in this during these six episodes. Yeah. It's, it's not like I'm saying like, uh, he's going to be visited by Nick Fury at the end of this. Thing. Right. Right. But <laughs> I think, you know, what did we have in 
at the end of the Eternals in the post credit scene. You know, the uh, you know Black Knight is uh, we're, we're getting the Black Knight set up, and I think that that's and Blade. Yeah, I mean, well, with Blade, with when we got the Blade voiceover, like this guy's been hearing voices in his head from Kanchu. I mean, at the end of this, he might think he's hearing another voice and freaking out. And in all honesty, we, we like see a shot of Mahershala Ali there. You know, which I think yeah. I think would be smart, um, in 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 a couple of ways. Number one, who knows when? Like this blade thing, I don't even know if it started to film yet. We've just we've been getting announcements, and it's like we're so far off from Blade, and it feels like Kevin Feige, you know, announced this thing like two years ago. And uh, well, I, I also think we're. I, I also think we're going to get some reference to Werewolf by Night which is the going to be that one shot in October that's yeah. coming out. Yeah. Because they, they are actually connect. I mean, that Moon Knight's origin in the comics was hunting down Werewolf by Night. So I would imagine they're going to try and establish that relationship at least a little bit in the show. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I just think it would be smart of them to do something with Blade and actually let us see Blade, what he looks like. I think it would be like that would be, you know, like... You get your Mandalorian huge reveals, you know? It's like, oh, my God, Luke Skywalker's showing up. Like, this would be, like, you know, their kind of, like, Luke Skywalker showing up. Not to that massive fucking fanboy extent, but still, it's Blade, <laughs> you know? And uh, I think that I think that they need to do something with Blade leading up before we get that movie. And I think it'd be perfect for him to show up in a, in a post credit scene for Moon Knight. Sure, yeah, I love like, that this idea. This is their jumping off series to start introducing that Marvel horror stuff. Like, I think we're going to get some Easter eggs for the rest of the MCU at large as this series goes on. But, yeah, I, I think they left it unconnected at this starting point for a reason. Because I feel like this is the starting point for this, you know, different genre of storytelling that we really haven't gotten out of the MCU to date. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jake. Yeah, Brian kind of touched on that with bringing up the uh, possible Midnight Suns arc, like coming after this. And I really do think that's kind of a perfect comic book storyline to put all these characters in, like your Moon Knights and your Blades and your Werewolf by Nights. And uh, I hadn't even thought about what Neil said. I think that's actually brilliant because um, Werewolf by Night is just so connected to the character, especially in those first few issues. That would be really cool if uh, somehow Moon Knight was hunting him down. Yeah. Do we know if that's going to be live action or animated? It's live action. It I think it's live okay. action. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it has a it has a lead actor already. It's no one I recognized. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Who's but directing it? Isn't it like Robert Rodriguez or somebody? Oh, no. Please no. Oh, man, you're going to have to make me get on the Google. The only thing that makes <laughs> me the only thing that makes me doubt the Moon Knight connection there is it's just one episode. And much yeah. like the first episode of Moon Knight kind of stuck in its own bubble so it could introduce the character, it might be weird for just one episode of Werewolf by Night to kind of be distracted by Moon Knight. That's the only thing that kind of gives me doubt in that scenario. That makes sense, yeah. Isn't it Giacchino that's doing it? The, the oh, yeah, composer? Yeah, yeah. That is yeah. that is correct. That's the, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that'll be good. That'll be really good. Uh this episode, episode one, was titled The Goldfish Problem. Um Moon Knight, the series on Disney Plus is created by Jeremy Slater. He's uh I mean this guy's been all around um good and bad. It depends on what you 
what you've seen from from Jeremy Slater. He's worked on Fantastic Four, the one from 2015, the Trank film, but he also did. He worked. He worked. He's also worked on uh, the Exorcist series. He's also worked on uh, the Umbrella Academy series on Netflix. So it's like. You know, it doesn't mean that uh, this particular guy doesn't have a vision, doesn't have a story, just because he was on worked on the Fantastic Four. Um, he serves as head writer on this with Mohamed Diab leading the directing team. I think Mohamed Diab, I think he's directing four episodes, and the other two episodes are like a combo of directors, I believe. Um, okay. But uh, Oscar Isaac, of course, is starring as Mark Spector, Moon Knight, uh, a mercenary who has dissociative identity disorder. Uh, we've also got May Kalamwi, uh, Kareem El-Hakim, F. Marie Abraham, uh, and Ethan Hawke starring in this. F. Marie Abraham is the voice of Khonshu. And then uh, Ethan Hawke, of course, is Arthur Harrow. And I want to jump into our breakdown. Do you guys want to um, rate this one first, or do you want to save the rating to the end? I'm going to ask you guys. I like to rate first. Okay. Yeah, we'll rate this one first. Here's our rating system if this is your first time listening. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. I'm going to start with Tristan. What do you think of Moon Knight? And I don't want us to actually, I want us yeah. to rate it but and, and talk about it, but I don't... Um, yeah, go ahead. No, uh, yeah, uh, spoilers from here on out. Go for it. Yeah, you know what? I uh, Moon Knight was a character that I'm not too familiar with, despite my my um, heavy affinity for Marvel comics. It's just a character that I never really got too much into, and I wanted to go into this uh, as blind as possible. I didn't read up on anything or any, you know, try to go in there with any expectations, especially since I know there's various iterations of the character. Um, but overall, I have to say that I was really, really impressed by this first episode. Um, I got a lot of memento vibes. Um, it reminded me um, of a very cinematic approach to, to TV series. It, it looked like it was shot or, or excerpts of a movie as opposed to a television pilot. And, you know, I thought the score was fantastic as well as the uh, the soundtrack. Uh, um, I can see they put some money into that as well. well um, I actually uh, was really impressed by the uh, the director, Mohamed Diab. Um, I tweeted about him, and he retweeted me right after, oh, um, awesome. which is really uh, fun to see. What did you tweet him? Yeah, and uh, I just basically just, uh, this is right after the episode dropped, and I just said something like, I think that, um, you know, we're witnessing, a you know, an emerging great director or something like that. And, uh, yeah, he retweeted it, and... Uh, and, um, yeah, I thought that the editing, the frame rate, the. We're losing you, Tristan. And they, they did a really good job. Oh shit. What about now? You're good now. You're good back? now. Yeah. Go for it. Okay. Yeah. I was just saying that, um, you know, I felt that it did a really good job of making us give a shit about a character that we spent so little time with. Um, I felt that. Oscar Isaac was superb in the role as far as what he's been given thus far. Um, I'm really intrigued to see what Ethan Hawke is going to bring to the character as well. Um, it's just a very different 
start to an MCU show, and I'm and I'm here for it. So uh, yeah, yeah, it was a it was definitely a Tupperware for me for the first episode. Very cool. Uh, yeah, Jake, what did you think? Yeah, man, I absolutely loved it. Um, Moon Knight's not like the character I have the most knowledge about, but I'm also not completely blank. Like I've read a lot of comics with Moon Knight in them. I never much read his solo series too often, but he showed up in a lot of the comics I read. You know, I read a lot of Daredevil. I read a lot of Spider-Man and he was always showing up and his arcs were always really, really cool. But yeah, I, this show really blew me away. Like I, I expected it to be good, but the, the production level was actually way more than I could have hoped. Um, the car chase scene just looked so nice. The sound editing with some of the, oh man, this sounded so good on the speakers. And, and yeah, I thought the performances were wonderful. I've never seen Oscar Isaac play such like a hapless geek character. And I thought that was really interesting. At first it was like, I don't know if I'm buying this or not. And then like 10 minutes in, I, I thought it was just absolutely wonderful. Um, I thought, Ethan Hawke was like deliciously evil and really was like eating up his role. Um, I couldn't believe the stuff going on with his character. Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of a perfect first episode. I thought it was really smart to hold out on showing us Moon Knight and doing it the way they did. I like I can imagine people not familiar with this, like ready to instantly watch that second episode the second it comes out. Like I know I will be, but yeah, I, I can't wait to break this down. This, this was so fucking awesome. Yeah, um, I think it, yeah, Tristan kind of compared it to Memento. They're saying online, like a lot of people have been saying, like it's Indiana Jones meets Fight Club. I love that. I love that. Some of the edits did remind me of Fight Club, like when you were seeing him miss time. The way, like in Fight Club, David Fincher actually was kicking the camera to achieve those shots, and you kind of felt some of that here. Like you could see the whole reel like shaking on your TV. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll go ahead and rate it next. I, uh, I, I've, I've seen it three times. I've seen the episode three times and I think I like it a little bit more each time that I watch it. Um, I've gone, uh, I'm going to settle at a high taste it. And the reason I'm settling it, I feel like this first episode, um, uh, it, uh, I definitely want to watch the next episode, but I do have a problem with these Disney Plus series as far as just giving us enough. I feel like they don't always give us enough, and I didn't feel like I got enough here. Um, I got enough to keep me intrigued and to keep me watching. Part of me is on the fence about, like, am I going to watch this every week or am I just going to just binge it when it's all done? Um, but I think I am going to watch it for the week-to-week kind of, like, water cooler discussion that I can have with people as each episode comes out. Um, I, uh, I, I, it made me just want to see more Mark Spector. And I think we're going to definitely get that. I really do. I I think we're getting the Mark Spector stuff. I don't, the, the reason it's not getting the, um, the, the Tupperware is because I don't believe from everything that we've like heard about how like this is going to be, you know, kind of like violent. I don't think that they're pushing the PG 13 violence as much as they want us to think that they're going to be pushing it in this series. Um, just from what I've seen 
And I mean, you talk about PG 13 violence that we've seen this year. I think the Batman pushed it very, very far. And I, I just don't think this show is like pushing it that far. This, I mean, when we do get blood, it's basically we're, they're cutting away and we're seeing it. We're not seeing like how it's all happening. It's just, and I know it's just, it's very early for me to, to say this, but I don't think that this show is going to be as, I thought it was going to be closer to TVMA than it was to, this TV 14 that we're getting. And it's, it's, it's not, that's, that's like, other than that, I think the show is, is really good. I just don't think this one episode was enough. And, but I thought that, I thought it was fantastic. I think it's really good. Um, and maybe my opinion overall will change when all six episodes are out. Maybe I'll just do a complete flip and be like, okay, that first episode is just, I mean, once it's all as a collective, I absolutely love it. Um, but I did enjoy it quite a bit and I do like the, the, I do like the Egyptian mythology that they're bringing in into this. And I mean, it's a lot of Egyptian mythology that we've seen in other Hollywood studio productions and movies, as well as like a lot of stuff that I'd seen in American Gods, which I really appreciated. Um, and, uh, I think Ethan Hawke's doing a great job. I think, uh, um, Oscar Isaac's fantastic so far. Um, and uh, it was funnier than I thought it was actually going to be. Um, that surprised mm-hmm. me. The jokes, it actually surprised me. And I thought, I thought that they were pretty good. Um, but I, it's a high taste it right now, but that could definitely change. And I think I'm probably going to be the only high tasted on this episode, to be quite honest with you. I agree with you about the point of the violence. I mean, maybe, maybe in the next couple episodes when we see more Mark Spector, it'll lean more that way. But I tend to lean towards what you're thinking, that it's it's really not going to push the boundaries of the violence. I think so far, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is the most violent thing the MCU has given us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I... And, you know, I guess that that is kind of a sticking point with me. Like, that's one of the things that I felt like they kind of promised in this. And I don't think that I don't think even by Mark Spector, they're going to deliver. I I think this is going to I don't think they're going to deliver. I think once we get to the Mark Spector stuff, it'll be more kind of like action. The now we're getting more into like the Indiana Jones um, of it all, because in this episode, like when we cut back to what Steven is seeing, it looks like every scene in a Indiana Jones movie is what we're left with. Like, you know what I mean? It's like we yeah, just, totally. it's like we just, it's like we got up, went to the bathroom and came back and Indiana Jones has just kicked everybody's ass. And we're like, how did he do it? <laughs> you know, that's what it felt. I feel like that once we get to the Mark Spector stuff, it's not going to be like fucking like bloody knuckles and, and, you know, fucking just beating people into, into a bloody pulp, which I thought we were going to get a, a little bit more. I thought they were going to lean more towards that direction in this series. I, I don't think they are going to do that. Um, am I saying it's a bait and switch? Kind of, but I still enjoy the series and I think that the story is really, really good so far and it, it asks a lot of questions. So I really like that. But um, I was hoping that they would push the violence a little bit. But they're still giving us a great story, great direction. And I loved, I did love the soundtrack and everything in the episode. Um, Joe, what did you think about Moon Knight? Yeah, I've also seen this one three times. And my rating went up every time I watched it as well. The first time I watched it, 
I, I think I was just expecting to see more Mark Spector, more Moon Knight. And I'd been on a tear reading lots of different <laughs> Moon Knight comics from lots of different creators. And the one thing I noticed in, in my quest to read all this different Moon Knight is it seems like every time there's a new writer on the character, there's a bunch of shit retconned and changed. So, <laughs> you know, so I didn't have any hard expectations going into this of, oh, I want to see this storyline. Um, and... And, and I think that that did help, but definitely the first time I watched it, you know, I, I, I was a little bit underwhelmed. But then by the second time I watched it, I think I picked up more on what they were doing in this episode. And and for me, this is a, this is a Tupperware episode. The first time I watched it, it was more in the high taste it realm. But then after the second time I watched it and kind of did some more deep thinking on it, it really clicked with me. And I think it was a smart narrative choice to start and keep us with Steven for the duration of the pilot episode. Because he, like us, has no clue what's going on when he's not in charge of his body. And and in in that first time I watched it, you know, when it would cut away and I'd be like, well, I wanted this intense violence that Kevin Feige went out of his way to more or less tell us to expect in this. And we didn't see it. And But like Steven, he didn't see it either. He's just kind of, you know, the and I love the way they did that that camera work with it, like almost like, like a CD skipping <laughs> or something like that, you know. Yeah. And then goes in and he's just standing there with blood on his hands like what the fuck happened um uh the opening scene in this might be one of the most disturbing things i think we've ever seen in the mcu to date um the whole thing with just him the the thought of somebody consciously putting broken glass in their shoes and then putting them on and going for a walk is just horrifying just absolutely horrifying and kudos to the folio work on that because every time he took a step you could hear that glass grinding crunching. Yes, and it was, oh, just just fucking disturbing. Oh, so visceral. I've got a I've got a question before we go. I want to hear the rest of like what you have to say, Joe. But I got a question about that scene. Um, is it what what was it symbolizing here? I know it's like it's like is it symbolizing um how many like religious leaders are. You know, they choose this path and that path is, is, um, there's, there's, there's a lot of like pain and suffering that they need to endure as a leader to go down this path. Is it like, is it a symbol, is it symbolism of that? Or for me, I, I, when I watched it, I, I, there's times where I feel like it's that. And then there's times where I feel like it's, it's almost, um, uh, reminds me of a fire walk, you know, like, Mm. Um, I don't like what I go. Yeah, go for it. Cause I, I, I really, I had a hard time with that. What I got from it was that this guy really fucking believes what he's preaching and that he's really into whatever his belief system is and that he's not just a guy that's trying to calm people to the point where he's actually willing to endure suffering, um, on behalf of his beliefs as well. Yeah, I mean, like, like self-flagellation in the yes, name of faith. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Self-flagellation <laughs> is a big part of like hardcore uh, ex- religious extremists in order to kind of prove to themselves that they are on the right path. That they, you know, like the hair shirts or or the whipping that you get from like um, really like create like deeply religious uh, Christians. Um, you know, it, it's it's kind of that whole my body is a temple but that temple is dedicated to this god and 
they're willing to put themselves through all sorts of torment in order to prove to their god that they are in charge of their own body like you know, yeah. you know what i mean yeah well uh, mm-hmm. he, i mean he is this religious cult leader who is basically um i think he wants to be the avatar of the egyptian goddess amit and yeah who he sees that he he's there to bring Amit to into the world to heal the world, and so to heal the world, he's taking on the pain and suffering of the world. You know, just kind of like even if you take it to Christianity, and it's like you know Jesus died for all of us, and this is kind of like him taking on the pain for the world as, as, as while Amit is the one who's going to heal the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's a, it, there's. There's a lot going on in that scene, you know. Yeah. It's a hell of a character introduction. I mean, yeah, pretty he, brilliant. He, yeah, it, that in, was in this new, brand new character. That was Ethan Hawke's idea. He worked. Yes. I, I re, he worked with uh, Oscar Isaac to conceive this character, and he wanted to perform inverse actions or emotions to him, and saw Harrow as a mix mm. between a monk and a doctor. Uh, he was inspired by performances. He was inspired. His performance was inspired by cult leader David Koresh. This is yeah, from Waco. Yeah. Psychiatrist Carl Jung, um, com- communist dictator Fidel Castro, the Dalai Lama, writer Leo Tol- Tolstoy, uh, Pentecostal televangelist Jimmy Swaggart, <laughs> Nazi officer and do- and Dr. Joseph Mengele. And the one flew over the cuckoo's nest character, Nurse Ratchet. Oh my god. (laughs) As, as well as questioning if Apple co-founder, co-founder Steve Jobs was a bad guy. And that's, that's what I, (laughs) that's what I saw. That's, it's, that's crazy. Go ahead, Joe. I, I just, I, I had, I wanted to put that question out there since we were talking about that scene. Uh, No, that's great. I mean, but yeah, I mean, what a disturbing way to start show <laughs> it, it really sets the tone because we've never seen anything you know a lot of these mcu movies are are pretty light-hearted and and it's it, it's cool to see him go darker but i felt like this was some of the just darkest shit that we've seen yet um but oh, yeah. i mean i i you know i liked it. it it really elicited an emotion from the start um i thought the performances in this were all really good uh oscar isaac created a really endearing character in stephen grant um, we only got a taste of Mark Spector there at the end. I really liked what I saw, and I look forward to to seeing that more. And especially once it really gets going and we get to see more of that back and forth in, in seeing Oscar Isaac do both of these wildly different characters, you know, seemingly switching on and off. Um, Ethan Hawke, uh, man, with just a quietly menacing portrayal of uh, Arthur Harrow, who really in the comics isn't like just he's kind of a one-off not even one issue (laughs) (laughs) so it's pretty cool that what they're doing with this and that they got such a high caliber actor and he's taking it so seriously uh really look forward to see what what more we're going to get out of um ethan hawk in this um f murray abraham is the voice of kanshu was fucking fantastic um i loved how many times it played off as humorous um yeah like lots of laugh out loud moments. My favorite was, "Did he just throw the gun?" <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> it reminded me. The voice kind of reminded me of like the old Shazam show, where he would talk. Where you know, Captain Marvel would talk to the elders. 
and it, I don't know if you guys have ever watched that. It was on, it was on DC Universe for a while. Yeah, and I never saw it, but I, I remember, uh, Vitaly talking about it a lot. Yeah, uh, it's it just, the, the voice really sounded like the elders from that old Shazam <laughs> show from the 70s. Perfect. I saw lots of people online making comparisons to Venom also. And yeah, and, yeah I mean, I can kind of see that, you know, it's a deep voice playing in somebody's head that comes off humorous. Um, uh, I think some of my favorite uh, parts in this were that cupcake, uh, Cupcake truck chase scene, uh, the the <laughs> music playing, wham, the old lady getting his finger, mushing. I mean, everything about it was so great. All the way up to the ending with the guys getting just smushed by the logs. I mean, fucking <laughs> unreal. And and I liked the questions that that this left me with at the end of the episode. You know, they they teased us with that scarab a lot, but we have no idea what the significance of it is, other than the bad guy wants it back really bad. I want to talk um, about that because I do have some theories on what the scarab is. Uh, yeah, but I mean, otherwise, like, I, I loved this first episode. I, I loved, uh, how, how intricately layered it was and, and how I really had to think about it a lot. And then the more I thought about, it, the more I liked it. And I, I like it when writing in a show can do that sort of trick to me. So yeah, this was a really strong start for me and I can't wait to see where we're going to get with the rest of it. Yeah. I, I, it started off as a taste it for me and it, it went up as high as a high taste it. And, um, yeah, I think it does. It is one of those, especially when you're dealing with a character who's, you know, suffering from DID, that maybe you need a couple watches because there's a lot going on in this episode. You know, we're, we're getting. Do you guys believe that? Do you guys believe that um, we're going to see episode one, but from Mark's perspective? Yes. Oh, that'd be cool. I, I don't. It'd be cool to at least see flashes of it. I don't. Because there was a lot of missing time there from Thursday night to, you know, whatever time he got hit with the logs. Yeah. (laughs) What I think is going to happen, I mean, this is just my own personal belief, like kind of what I want to see is like the first four episodes will be each from a different character's perspective, like a different personality's perspective. And then the final two will kind of be bringing everything together um, in summation. Maybe not like the exact episode one from Mark's perspective, but but like flashes of that along with some other stuff uh, like backstory and moving for moving the plot forward. But I, I do think that they're going to devote some time to flesh out each personality uh, in a way that will make them each compelling on their own, but also even better when they get brought together and we see them all and kind of not necessarily interact, but deal with each other existing. I, I I'm thinking I'm thinking that the first two episodes will be Stephen uh, and then flashes of Mark and then I'm thinking the next two after that will probably be a struggle between Mark and Stephen with more Mark showing up because yeah. with, because with them saying that it's like you know it's it's Fight Club meets Indiana Jones I do think that we're gonna get at least two episodes that are going to be very action heavy with Mark. And I, and, but I am, I am with you that I do think that the last two episodes are going to be like the summation of everything in this series. And I do think that they're going to, that they do want to flesh out both Mark and also Jake Lockley. And we've seen the, um, the promo images of Mr. Knight, which is another kind of, semi-personality that he puts on yep. in order to deal with law enforcement. Um, so I, I do think we're going to get some time devoted 
to actually showcase these characters and show the audience who each of them is individually. And it'll give us a great, I mean, Oscar Isaac is so fucking fantastic of an actor that he can play each of these characters so differently, um, yet make them have kind of a through line. As far as flashing back and seeing Mark in the first episode, though, I don't really think there's any meat there. I mean, we kind of really get the gist of what Mark did during those flashes. It's not like it was really any exposition. It was all just, you know, the part of the Universal Studios ride where everyone has the big action scene. I don't think there's really any character development that we need to go back and see those scenes from. Now, the big thing I want to see is the how he got the scarab, like what was happening yeah. in that castle or whatever. It's specifically like, what was this exchange going down? Where you waved to the guard? Oh, that was so funny. <laughs> and I love how the other guard hits him when he waves back, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Shoot at him. <laughs> uh, Joe, so it's a Tupperware for you. Uh, Neil, what did you think? Yeah, um, I, I am very familiar with Moon Knight. He's my second favorite Marvel character after Deadpool. Um, I've read quite a few of the runs. I'm not like, you know, a scholar or anything, but I really, really love this character. And I, I and I thought that they did a fantastic job of just dropping us in this world with a narrator that is just as clueless as we are. Um, I, I mean, I'm going to Tupperware this first episode just because it, it really established this guy's issues and um, just how of a weird existence he has. Um, I, I, as everybody said, I, I loved the flashing through the action sequences, uh, the, the technique, just seeing Oscar Isaac, you know, go from one extreme to like being completely clueless uh, about what's actually happening to him and like trying to deal with the repercussions of his alters like actions was great um i love the uh steak scene where he's at that restaurant yeah. and he yes. has a vegan <laughs> vegan ordering a steak not knowing how to fucking order a steak <laughs> and, and I, I i hear that uh muhammad diab had to actually fight yeah to get keep that scene in yeah and it's such a beautiful character yeah. moment for stephen grant uh to really see his internal struggles and, and just you know, everything's breaking down for him constantly. We well, said he basically Mohammed Diab is saying like that scene needs to be in this episode because we need to show um, how hard this is for him because mm-hmm. he, you know, mm-hmm. he, he can't even start up relationships, you know, yeah. and like that's like that's one of the things that uh, um, really connects us with characters is like, you know, um, how other people connect with them. And when we can't see other people connecting with our main character, it does, we have empathy for him. Like in this episode, we see, um, him talking to like two people really like that are supposed to be close to him, his mother, who he's talking through voicemail. <laughs> and then I don't think she exists. <laughs> and then number, and then number two, he's talking to the, li- the living statue. Yeah. The, the one person that can't, can't respond. Yeah. And everybody Probably. else, every, yeah, everybody else <laughs> in his life that he's never had, he, the woman that at work, his boss that treats him like shit. And then the, then the one like glimmer of hope is he's got this date coming up. And then, then that's, that's been stripped 
away from him because he spent two days in Germany getting the scarab and lost <laughs> lost all time. And so it's waking up in the Swiss Alps. Yeah, it's it's well. really fucking sad. Well, so How rude kudos. is that that Mark sets that date and then makes him miss it? <laughs> <laughs> My question is, Mark doesn't speak in a British accent. So when he starts talking in a British accent to her, why doesn't she call him out on that? I'm all, I'm mm. wondering if maybe it was Jake Lockley who set up that date and they're going to make Jake Lockley British as well. Okay. Yeah, that would make that would make sense because I was a little confused about that. Like, why you know? I would or th- Mark is aware of everything and he knew that he wanted to get some and put on a fake accent, like Oscar <laughs> Isaac is doing. <laughs> but see, that's that's one reason why I definitely want to see some things from Mark's perspective because I also want to see how is he intertwining into Stephen's life and how yeah. Yeah, because he obviously seems to be, like, in charge enough to where he's putting the room back in order before he goes to bed. He's fixing the sand, putting the leash on, putting tape on the door. Yeah, it seems like every personality, (laughs) the way they're establishing it, is is kind of at least subconsciously aware of the others. But Mark seems to be more actively aware uh, of the other personalities. Which makes sense, you know, considering the comics where Mark is the dominant personality um, and is at least knows that he's got some issues. Well, I think yeah, I mean, Mark's yeah. already picked out who the dumbest one is between all the different personalities. So Mark, <laughs> Mark is definitely aware more so than everyone else. I think what I think what's happened is the Mark and Kanchu have like this relationship. And I think that Mark at first created a uh created Stephen Grant as a as a cover just like a you know like that's you know that's he's going to go by Stephen Grant sometimes like that's just an alias what what he didn't what he didn't expect to happen is the when he when he with the powers of Kanchu is just like the you've got different phases of the moon it You've got different phases of of uh, th- those phases of the moon have actually made him develop this dissociative identity disorder, and so these these aliases that he that he's come up with, like Stephen Grant, are actually now real. It's a it's a real split personality that he's having to deal with. I think it was originally just supposed to be a cover, and now it's like. Now it's real. But I could be wrong there. That's just a theory. Yeah, yeah, and the comics aren't exactly clear as to what the truth is as far as whether or not he's actually DID or if these are all just constructions in his brain or or, or what. Um, each writer has a different take on it, which is yeah. kind of fun. It makes it so that it doesn't really matter which way they go because each one has been established already. And it, it kind of goes along with how fractured the character is himself. Yeah. I, I mean, I read, yeah. I read a lot of the Garth Ennis stuff and it's really trippy. I read, you know, some of the Lemire stuff and yeah, each one's very different. They want to put their own yeah. stamp on the character. I mean, I, I started <laughs> with the, the Houston series, which is like the most, um, grounded, I think, out of mo- out of all of them. Um, but I really like the uh, the the Ennis stuff a lot, um, where it gets more to the Mister Knight stuff, and 
it, it's it's such fascinating comic book writing where because it, it is dealing with mental illness and not knowing your place in the world and and all sorts of big big ideas yeah let's uh let's let's break down some of the things that are happening in this episode i i, I do we did talk about the opening scene but I, now i want to talk about you know we're introduced to steven and we he is he knows something's going on. He knows that he, I think he knows that he's losing time, but I don't think he knows that he has, does he know that he has DID? I don't think he does. I don't know. Uh, no way. And we see that he's basically in his room. Kind, he chains himself, he chains his leg up. Um, it's like a, it's uh it's a combination lock. Um, he's got sand on the floor so he can see footprints that, he, that if he's trying to got trying to get out of the room. Um, tape on the door. He's got tape on the door. Uh, he's got what's wild though is like we see him, you know, uh, in his he, you know, he listens to like these audio tapes that try to keep him awake, and he's playing with the Rubik's cube. And when he first wakes up, the Rubik's cube is completed. Mm-hmm. So. It's complete. So at one point, like, does he flip over to fucking Mark and Mark completes the Rubik's Cube just to fuck with him every day? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Because <laughs> I think when he goes to sleep, it's still, because it, he's still, it's still not solved. And I think when he wakes up, it's solved every day. And that's gotta, and then, and, and then we've got the fish. We've got the fish with the fin. I think that's, yeah. that's one of the big things. And that's the title of this episode is the goldfish problem. And we got the fish with the one fin, and then it gets swapped out with the second fin. Um, yeah, I just I think it was a really interesting way to kind of show us what the character does goes the links the character go, goes to to make sure that he's not out and about and uh, living living. Uh, does he think he's sleepwalking? What does he think he's doing? Yeah. I, I think he believes he's, he's just talking. sleepwalking. Yeah, because when he's talking to that living statue that's credited as Crawley which is like one of kind of his informants in the books. But when he's talking with him, he says something to the effect of my body needs to get its 10,000 steps in, whether I'm awake or not. (laughs) Yeah. And you could see why Mark would go through all this trouble, right? It would be to his detriment to have Steven know what was going on and potentially do something that would hinder him being able to do what he has to do. Like Steven could just go and get the body committed and locked up and then then Mark's just SOL. So you kind of understand why he's keeping the secret. It it makes a lot of sense there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And we don't we get that you know, that the last part of the episode where Mark is talking to him in the mirror and it seems like that's, you know, the first time that Steven becomes aware fully of Mark's existence and the fact that he's got something else going on besides sleepwalking. Yeah. We see him. Yeah, the only reason. Oh, sorry. No, go for it. Go for it. I was going to say the only reason Mark makes himself aware in the first place is protection of the body. Like, you know, Steven's exactly. in control. And if Mark doesn't make himself known, that's going to be the end of everything. So he's just kind of his hand is forced and he has to yeah. reveal himself. Yeah. yeah. And there seems to be some questions, too, as to when Mark can take over, because it seemed like he needed permission at the very end. Whereas the other times, it seems like he was able to kind of take over at will. So I don't know if that means that Steven has to be in a very weakened mind state. For him to be able to do that or, or what that's still not very clear 
Yeah, that is interesting. Does she have to be asleep or what? At the end, he asks for permission, but there is a point in time when they're when they take the scarab from him, and he just, you know, he comes out of it, <laughs> and he's got the scarab back, and everybody else is down on the ground and bloody. So and that that physical acting that Oscar Isaac did during that whole <laughs> scarab trying to hand it over scene was <laughs> phenomenal. Where yeah. like he, his body is so contorted. I mean, think about him as, as a per, as a human trying, like having to do this stuff. Where he's keeping this away, but making it look like he's trying to give it to this guy, but is unable to. That that, that is some seriously hard work that Oscar Isaac put in to do that. I, th- oh, uh, le- okay. Let me let me. I think what what brought Stephen into like. So we're at that point. Let's just, yeah, let's talk about that. We're at that point where he fucking, we, we, he wakes up in a field and he's got his jaw dislocated. And it looks, <laughs> looks painful as shit. And yeah. I think like, I think the fall kind of triggered Steven to come into the picture there. I think like the impact, that's what kind of like, I think Mark gets knocked out and instead of Steven Mark coming up. back, Steven wakes up. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think that's why Mark takes over, too. It's like Steven is fainting from the crazy stuff going on. I think that's what's allowing Mark to come through earlier. And that lines up with what you're saying, Brian. It's Mark gets knocked out, so Steven is forced to take over. It, it feels like if you pass out, it, it kind of flips there. Somebody else yeah. takes over. And that's what I love when you hear Conchu say, oh, the idiot's back. You know, I, <laughs> <laughs> I like, yeah, I, I do like the comedy element of Conchu. Like, you know, um, and he calls him, he calls him, he's like, you know, there's a truck over there, stupid. And he's, you know, it just, <laughs> just constantly berating. He has no respect for Steven. Um, no, <laughs> I, I, I want to ask you this real quick. We see him calling his mother and leaving her voicemails, and we see these postcards from her on his refrigerator, on his wall, and stuff. And um, I think that I, I'm with Neil. I don't think his mother exists. I think it's Mark trying to keep up his cover. That's you know to Stephen to keep Stephen think that he's living yeah. like leading like this normal life. I think those postcards are the postcards that are in the same gift shop that Mark works at. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think I think Mark's listening to those voicemails and it's almost a way for him to keep tabs on what Stephen's doing when he's asleep. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Because he's calling and leaving his mom updates on everything going on in his life. <laughs> yeah. That's, he, a gr- that's a great theory. Yeah, yeah. And so we, we'll probably get the scene of hopefully we'll get a scene of like Mark listening to like these voicemails. Yeah. You know? And, you know, as we, we got a little bit of Layla, um, who's a completely new character in this show, uh, finally getting a hold of him and, and not knowing about his multiple personalities and like we, we got allusions to it in the trailer but then we actually got to see the full kind of conversation here and it really kind of drove home the point of some people are maybe in on it but others are definitely not that like he's kept it a secret for, for so long from so many people who seem to be intimately involved in his life yet they don't know what's actually happening with them. I'm trying to think. I, I I think that is Layla in the comics? No. Okay. 
Not, not as far as I'm aware. Oh, uh, people were saying that she was an uh, uh, Layla Miller from the X Men comics, and that doesn't. I mean, that's a that's a theory. But yeah, I don't, I don't think she's it is. Not like a Moon Knight character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just. Do you think we'll even see Layla again throughout this series? I mean, she's what third billing on IMDb, so I have to imagine she'll be. Yeah. There. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. For uh, do you think we'll get uh, Duchamp? Um, I hope so because he's a great character, Frenchie. Yeah. But, uh, I I don't know what where they're going after this because Oscar Isaac is only signed up through the end of this series, and I don't know if they know if they're going to do another season or if they want to do movies or what. So I'm not sure exactly how much of the canon characters we're going to get. I think we will. I think we will see Frenchie. I think we'll see I him in the so. season. I do think we'll see him. Um, so let's talk about we 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 get introduced to uh, again to uh, Arthur Harrow, and he's uh, he's in the town, and he's basically like a cult leader. Everyone there is there are people lined up to um, to talk with him, and uh, he's going to basically. We see the scales on his arm, the tattoo of the scales, and the the scale at the top of the scale it, there are uh, crocodile heads, and we actually see like his cane actually has two crocodile heads as well, and um, it's in Egyptian mythology. Amit Amit had the head of a crocodile. Which is the god that he's basically talking about, like the the, the devourer of the dead, Amit. And um, what would happen in, in, in Egyptian mythology is is Anubis would weigh the dead's heart against a feather for Amit and see if they're impure of heart. Um, if they're impure of heart, then Amit would eat them. And Amit had the head of a crocodile, the front legs of a lion, and the back legs of a hippo. And that's at the beginning of the episode. We see Stephen talking to the young girl and talking about how they how they would take out all the organs of like you know before everybody before you were mummified they would take out all the organs except for the heart because you would need that in the afterlife. And that's that's when that's when Anubis would weigh your heart against a feather. And if your heart was heavy, it was impure, and that's when Ahmet would eat you. And so these people are getting judged here um, by, by by Arthur Harrow. He he basically the scales we see the tattoo move. We see the one guy. He's pure. This is this this is a this is a good man. You're a good man. And then the woman who who does it. I think that I think that there's this is this is fucked up because I think the guy's probably <laughs> the guy's probably not a good guy. And the woman was probably pure of heart. I, she said she'd never done anything wrong in her entire life. And he says like this sees your past, present, and future. And so she hadn't done what. Like what is this old woman gonna do? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that Amit is is skewing the results of the tattoo. You know, like making judgments not based on actual goodness, but making judgments on who is most helpful to her gain, her uh, 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because there is a point in the episode later on where Arthur is talking to Stephen inside of the, the museum and he says that Amit was banished from the earth at one time. And uh, it was basically the it was the other gods that banished Amit from earth. Um, yeah. And I oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I have some theories I really would love to talk about. But go ahead. I, I was just going to say that I, I really appreciated how we got our villain reveal right at the get, right out of the get go. Unlike most Disney Plus shows where they spend the entire season building up the villain reveal, we actually get it right away. Even though there's some questions about him, we still know who's the antagonist. And, like, that is is really, really interesting and uh, unusual for Disney Plus Marvel shows. It's refreshing. Thank God. I'm, yes. I'm so sick of fucking – I'm sick of fucking watching four, five, six episodes before we finally find out that, you know, this this person – is the main villain. It's not Mephisto. It's this person. Um, you know, it's not, well, I mean, yeah, it's not too late for this show to fuck yeah. that up. Yeah. Episode yeah, four could say. be like, here's the true villain. Howard's the guy. You think Hawk was good all along? Yeah. <laughs> he get his own song. <laughs> I, um, I personally think that with with Ahmet being thrown out of Earth by the gods, I think that that Arthur Harrow is wanting to bring Ahmet back into the world, and that's what the Scarab is going to allow him to do. I think that I think that uh, the the Scarab is going to be some kind of thing that is used like. <laughs> like the key from the mummy. I yeah. was I was thinking more like um in um the the staff in uh Raiders of the Lost Raiders Ark. of the Lost Ark that when the sun hits it yeah. it shows I mean, it's him the same idea, yeah. Well I think the scarab's gonna show um the where the tomb is located for Ahmet. Mm. And I think that you know that's that Kanshu does not want to bring Amit back into the world because Kanshu is one of the gods that banished Amit from Earth. And I also, yeah. oh, go ahead. I mean, Kanshu has a very varied uh, history in the MCU because sometimes he's good and sometimes he's bad. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that eventually we're going to get some exploration of that idea of Kanshu not always being on the side of the good guys. Yeah. Um, even though in this instance he may be, um, and, and I, I really like that exploration of, of the gray areas of like, it, yeah, sometimes this aligns with what is, you know, good. And sometimes it does not. And like, Ahmet may have been wrong in this one instance, but maybe have may have been right in other instances. And exploring that that dichotomy of, of like, yes, sometimes our heroes are good and sometimes they're not is is really a good thing to explore at this point in time. Yeah, and Marvel's a big fan of the gray villain, and I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if it's a lot of black and white and everything in between. Yeah. 
Yeah, I really don't think Harrow is tipping the scales in his favor. I I really think that elderly woman was a sinner of some kind. I think <laughs> I think they've shown his character to be very like into his faith and I don't know. I and it leans towards what you're saying about it being a gray villain. I'm not saying what he's doing is right, but I, I really do think that that's legit. Like that the guy was innocent and she was by whatever judge it's being judged by. I mean, obviously that's we don't have the rules. It's it's not that Harrow is tipping the scales. It's that whoever is in control of the tattoo maybe. Uh, yeah, I th- I think it's exactly. I think it's I think Ahmet at once Ahmet was banished. Now Ahmet's trying to come back and trying definitely trying to align herself with with people that she knows that you know people of a weaker mind that, you know people that get wrapped up in cults. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's. I think maybe that's something that's going on here. I do have another theory that I really I I, I want to bust this wide open and present this to you guys. Um, you know, Harrow tells Stephen that Ahmet was betrayed by the other gods and and even uh, her own avatar. So she had an original avatar at one time. I want to talk about that avatar, who I think it could possibly be, who the original avatar is. But there's a part in this where. Um, and it really stood out to me, and I'd like to play this clip. And it is, it's, um, I think, I think we're about 35 minutes into the episode, and it's, it's, um, Arthur Harrow, and he's talking to Stephen. And he's telling Stephen some stuff that only Stephen would know. And I think I know why he knows this. Let me play this clip. It's maddening, isn't it? The voice in your head, relentless, forever unsatisfied. No matter how hard you try to please, it devours you until there's nothing left but a hollow shell. And the more you ask for help, the more you begin to sound like the boy who cried wolf. I can't help you. I am trying to help you. Did you guys catch, like, he's saying, like, the voice in your head, it will devour you. And um, um, I'm trying to help you. you know, the, the boy who cried wolf, the, the more you scream, the more people don't believe you, blah, blah, blah. He's talking about the voice that Stephen's hearing in his head. I think he knows what Stephen's going through because I think that Arthur Harrow at one time was the original avatar for Kanchu. And it makes sense. I, yeah. And I, yeah. and I think just like Amit was banished from the gods, Kanchu and, and, and Arthur had a falling out. And so now Arthur has aligned himself with his enemies, uh, you know, with, with, with his enemy's enemy. With, yeah. yeah, if, if I can't have you, no one can. Friend. Yeah, and, and so I think that I think that I think that we're going to find out that Arthur was the original avatar for Kanchu, and um, also Amit um, was betrayed by her own avatar, and and betrayed by the other gods. I don't know about this one, but what if? Amit's original avatar 
was Ramatut, aka Kang the Conqueror. Oh, that's awesome! What a great <laughs> way to introduce that character. Mm. Yeah, totally. yeah, a different version than we saw in Loki. Yeah, that'd be interesting as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they'll explore all of that in this first season. I do think that we'll get a second season and movies and all this stuff. Maybe it'll be explored later. Maybe it'll be a post-credit scene. But I mean, if if Rama Tut is a version of like, you know, Nathaniel Richards, um, Kang the Conqueror, I, I it would it would kind of connect it a lot more with what's going on in the MCU and what's yeah. going on with Loki. And it could also even have connections going forward to Fantastic um, Four, um, X-Men with, um, yeah. um, apocalypse. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot that they could do. So yeah, you yeah, can't apocalypse do this much. And, oh, sorry, Joe. I was gonna say apocalypse and Rama Tutter, two of those characters that I'll be watching for in the background. Like, especially yeah. when you get more of the ancient Egypt stuff to just see if there's some sort of, you know, so, some sort of imagery in the background that, that evokes those characters. Do you think they would try and conflate Apocalypse and, um, uh, fuck, uh, Franklin Richards or Nathaniel Richards? You mean have them as the same character? Yeah, in order to streamline some of the weirdness in the X-Men comics. Like, would, mm. they, would they actually, like, make the first mutant be a time traveler from the future? That's what I was, that's, that's what I was thinking, but I, I don't, I don't know. And it would be a neater package than what we've experienced in the comics and the cartoons and whatnot. Yeah, a lot of it needs to be tightened up. Yeah. And the MCU is not averse to completely changing character backstories in order to suit streamlining issues um i mean hell even creating brand new characters out of nothing like arthur harrow oh yeah yeah arthur harrow yeah like you guys are saying he's like in the comics for one issue and he was a, <laughs> he was a scientist he was a scientist yeah. not a cult leader so exactly like and he's not important at all in in the moon knight history he just happened to exist in one aspect but now we're actually getting a different version of him that's going to be very strongly uh, explored. When 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 Arthur says, and he's you know looking at the scales, and they just continue to like you know go back and forth. You have chaos inside you, and he says, "Yeah, there's chaos inside you." Is there is there is it just a, a mix of like? All of his different personalities, um, you know, maybe some are good and some are bad, and he, it, and it's just, it's just, it can't make up its yeah. mind. It doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I felt like all the personalities was confusing it to the point where it's like it's unfair almost to make a judgment. You know, if yeah. You, you say he's, you say he's an evil person, it's like unfair to the good personalities. <laughs> yeah, because there are there is such conflict inside this one human. Uh, with all these different personalities with this DID that like he can't be judged by this black and white judge um, because each one is is has a completely different ethical code and it, it's it's a fascinating kind of like topic to like think about and that's one of the things I really appreciate about the show is that it, it is making us 
think about these 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 quandaries that we're always in about what is good, what is bad, what is real, what is not. Um, yeah, it, yeah I also just, just appreciate Marvel's fun. approach to. Um, I appreciate their approach to uh, dealing with people with that disorder as well, because you know they had the uh, the little uh, lines at the end of the show, you know, talking about mental health and all that, and, mm-hmm. and I know that they wanted to make it a point to not just use this whole um, disorder as a plot device, but also right. to kind of give it, um, you know, a, a little bit of a heart and, and sympathy as well for what these people actually have to experience. Yeah. And, and like the DID is not as big of a thing in the comics from what I've read. Um, but I, I really appreciate the fact that they're focusing so much of the efforts of the show on it. Um it really, it really actually makes the character better. I think to to officially recognize him as someone who is suffering from this uh, disorder, and rather than call into question whether he's faking it or not, which has happened multiple times in the comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of the Bendis Malieve run that really pushed the DID storyline to the yeah. forefront. If you guys remember that, I mean, it, yeah. They briefly touched on it in earlier issues, but I mean that was what his run was all about. And then, yeah, kind of the runs since then have all had to deal with the repercussions of what Bendis kind of introduced into the world. In that run, he actually thought he was Moon Knight, Spider Man, Wolverine, and Captain America. <laughs> it was a silly run, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you're right that the, the subsequent issues of Moon Knight have utilize that as part of the backstory um, and have pushed it forward more whereas like anything prior to that was it was more of a gray like hey is this really happening is this guy just a fucking asshole who wants to kill people and then blame it on another personality Um, but I, I, I think that it makes a stronger character if it if he is actually suffering from something that is causing him to miss time and to have multiple personalities. Do okay. I want to talk about one of the scenes where he loses time where I think he did lose time. I don't know if you guys caught this or not, but it's like, it's the elevator scene. Oh yeah. There's when he, when he first gets into that elevator, he starts smashing the ground floor button and then we see it open up on an empty third floor. And then it goes down to the second floor. And that's where we see Kanshu coming for him. And, and then the we s- then the old woman gets on the elevator now with him. And she's kind of freaked out by him. And I was thinking she was initially freaked out that he was using a razor phone and it's the year 2022. (laughs) (laughs) But the old woman gets out of the elevator on the fifth floor. It wasn't going up. He had hit that ground button. So he lost time in there. Yeah. It, It shouldn't have. She got off on the fifth floor. It clearly shows the fifth floor. So he lost time on that elevator. He's confused. Like, that he's back on the fifth floor because he constantly hit that fucking ground floor button. So he, he lost, he basically, lost. yeah, he, he hit the ground floor button and he got down to the ground floor where she got on. And then he went back up and was confused by the fact that 
he had gone where he wanted to go, but didn't do anything there. <laughs> okay, 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 yes. I get now, okay. Yeah, because I thought, like, so he, that second floor scene was with Kanshu, but when she jumps on, she's on the ground floor. Yes, okay, yeah. okay, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. But then he it. definitely loses time there because he, he turns around and sees Kanshu in the elevator behind him and then wakes up in panic on the bus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. And that scene of Kanshu, like, outside on the street oh, that I you see. That. that was really cool. Yeah. I love all the, like, the little peripheral, like, visual cues that we get in the show mm-hmm. where you kind of see things. But they aren't clear because they're not clear to the character. It just really adds to the whole atmosphere uh, of what we're watching and like how there are things on the like the very periphery of our vision that we kind of notice but also don't. But then as viewers, we get to actually see that thing and it's weird as shit. It's just a really cool way of kind of getting us into the same mindset as uh, Stephen Grant. When, oh my God, when he, uh, I love like the mirrors and I love like all the different reflections that are used throughout the episode. Like we see reflections in, in mirrors, we see reflections in the water and, um, we get the reflection at the end where Mark is asking him to like, you know, let me take over. Like, and I, the part where you know that he's letting Mark take over and you see, the bandages being wrapped up over his shoulders and shit. They don't show you the full transformation, but just the beginning of that is awesome. And then, and then like the next time we see the, the jackal is the jackal supposed to be Anubis. No. Okay. So it's just, I think it's a minion of, um, okay. Yeah. Because yeah. Anubis also like in has a jackal head. Has a jackal head. Yeah. Okay. So, oh God, I loved it when you hear the fighting and you see all like the porcelain from like the, the <laughs> sinks and stuff being ripped up. And then you see the jackal being dragged, trying to run oh, out of the room and being dragged <laughs> back in. <laughs> oh, that was very cool. That was fucking so cool. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, the, I could have do for him action. to punch that jackal about another dozen times. That's before. so, me too. Me too. Give me more punching. Yes. <laughs> the action in this in this ep- this first episode was very sparse, but it was done s- with such care and, and like conviction. It, it, it really really worked for me, especially I, yeah. on, on subsequent viewings. Uh, it worked better. Like the first ep- first time I watched this episode, I was kind of disappointed. I didn't get more Moon Knight mm-hmm. beating up people, yeah. but. As I've rewatched it, I, I recognized more of what they were trying to show, and it yeah. worked even better multiple times later. I appreciate it too, Neil. I think that what they did was brilliant, but I am an action fan. <laughs> no, I get you. I get and you. so I'm, I'm, I'm really looking more forward to the Mark Spector episodes that I'm hoping we get with just some crazy action that's what i'm really looking forward to because like when you Uh, like when you're talking like fight club meets indiana jones i want to see a lot more indiana jones i want to see the fighting of the fight yes yes (laughs) (laughs) go ahead i gotta i gotta say that i'm a big fan of how this is just such a a departure from the standard mcu formula as well so you know i'm definitely happy that they're doing something very different I think everything that they've done pretty much is 
been different like wandavision was super different well uh, wandavision of course but i mean we can say falcon and winter soldier is par for yeah. the course for action yeah right. of course i i think so i think that you're gonna get what you get there like the with that the whole thing was like who is the who is the power broker you know like that's the big question that we're asking a question i never want to ask again um <laughs> but you know i yeah, and then I, I, yeah, and Hawkeye was just like, that was street level stuff, and. Well, like, every, I think every MCU Disney Plus show has been completely different in tone. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe not always subject matter, but definitely different approaches to whatever they're trying to say. And I, I really appreciate the fact that they are willing to do different things. Yeah with each different character in order to match that character's tone and not try and shoehorn them anymore into the MCU kind of visual or, or mental aspects. Like early on in the MCU, when we were getting like Thor two or Avengers two, they were really trying to streamline everything into being the same thing. And now it seems like, they're letting each character kind of do its own thing. Yeah. And Moon Knight especially is such a weird character who has so many different versions of himself that we're going to get, I think just a very chaotic show because he's such a chaotic character yeah. and it's really exciting. To me. The character really lends himself to be a different thing. I'm really sorry. Tristan, you're right. Like they are giving us something different here. I, I hate the way I'm coming off. I'm coming off like, <laughs> I'm no, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming off like it's like, man, you know, fucking, we got, I got that last episode was like really good macaroni and cheese or that last thing was like really good. And all I want is macaroni and cheese. Just keep giving me macaroni and cheese. It's like, no, sometimes I want something fucking different, you know? And this is, this is definitely something new that they're doing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely something new. It's definitely something new. I, I, I don't know if, if everyone is going to be sold on this after the first episode though, um, I think it was very smart that we at least got a little bit of Moon Knight. I think like that is yeah. at the very end. I think at the very end, that's that's the reason like people are going to like. I think Jake alluded to this like alluded to this like that's the reason people are going to come back for the second episode. We saw yeah. fucking Moon Knight. It's, it's, it's the hook. Yeah, yeah, totally. And if you're not familiar with this character, what a wild sight to see, right? It's not yeah. like <laughs> it's not, not your classic superhero garment. So, but I mean, yeah, I can see. And they said, okay. Jake, they said for years you can't do the Moon Knight costume live action. It can't be done. They did such an incredible job with that costume. Yes, holy shit, <laughs> the way oh, yeah, the texturing on it and everything. Oh, oh my god, yeah, the 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 mummy wraps look really. Impressive. I love how uh, the crescent moon on his chest is also a weapon that we're going to be able to see him use. Yeah, it's um, like tied in. Like, yeah, it, you can see. So, like, it's not the same classic Moon Knight costume from the comics, which is like very clean and yes, white, right? It, it, and I love the fact that the MCU is willing to like change things change aspects of these costumes in order to make them screen worthy but also keep all the elements that makes them so iconic in the comics 
it's 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 a very delicate balancing act. They have done a great fucking job with across the board. I mean, every single I, I can't think of a single MCU co- uh, costume that does not look great. I'm glad. Um, uh, Captain America in Avengers One. Yes, I was just going <laughs> to. Okay, but but it served its function. Yeah, I was just going to say that man. That costume was absolutely terrible. <laughs> and I also was not but a his costume in the comics is terrible. So like it, it bridged that gap. I was not. I was also not a fan, and I might be on the minority here, but I, I was also not a fan of the gold Iron Man suit and Iron Man three. I don't remember that. I refuse to remember Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, also, I'm also not a fan of them getting lazy with the suit and making it all CGI. I loved the yeah, original. Yeah, yeah, you could feel the weight of the suit. Yeah, in the, you know the the first two movies. Of, yeah, and then all of a sudden in Infinity War, it's like he's just basically wearing dots on him. I know. Yeah. Uh, once Favreau's influence yeah. kind of left, everyone, they you got a little bit feel lazy the dots. with it. Yeah. You could feel the dots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I felt like I felt like Downey was just like I do not want to wear that fucking thing anymore. Hundred <laughs> percent. Hundred percent. I'm done. He went. He, he went. Contract. Yeah, he went full fucking Jennifer Lawrence saying I don't want that goddamn blue makeup. <laughs> you got to you got to respect guys like Batista that sit in a chair for eight hours to get ready to play fucking Drax. You know. Oh, no kidding. That's that so much work. Yeah, you got to respect a guy like Batista. I got a have question. Ever, have any of you guys ever sat in a makeup chair before? Mm-mm. No. It's the worst goddamn thing because you can't move, but you also can't, like, like read anything. You, you have to, like, pay like all this attention to what the makeup artist is doing, and it, it is unbearable wow. it really is and I, I the longest i've ever sat in a makeup chair was like two and a half hours and my god that was awful yeah but and, and batista imagine like he's probably showing yeah. up at fucking midnight and yeah. you know okay and by 8 a.m yeah ready to go yeah yeah oh. i think colin farrell said it was, was like four hours or something like that yeah. Oh wow. They finally. Oh, I bet. I bet. They were able. I think by the second Guardians movie to 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 apply it faster. But well, still. they probably they developed some new techniques yeah. in order to get that specific makeup on him quicker. Because yeah. I mean, the makeup artists don't want to be there that long either. <laughs> when you did without Grace, Brian, did you experience any of this? <laughs> no. <laughs> I know you're making a joke, Neil. They had no, no. They, they had a they had a makeup person there, but I, I really didn't. They, it was basically just like um, a little bit of like um, like a powder that they would apply to my face uh, because you're under like these lamps and everything and these lights and you do and you do start to sweat a little bit. Um, but I wasn't I, I was it was maybe like a you know 15 minute process for me. OK, I mean, I've got an old mate, old age makeup quite a few times and it's always always a long process and it sucks listen to this this is true i when i when i when i was an extra on uh matt damon and steven soderbergh's the informant um i was playing uh, uh an inmate and it was the scene at the very end of the movie where he's released from jail and i'm in the i'm in the yard as one of the prisoners well when i showed up 
I like did my hair, did all this stuff. I was the only person they took aside and took into makeup because I looked too good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> you look like a real person rather than an inmate. Right? And they were like, they were like, no, 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 this is not going to work. We got to, we, we've got to mess you up a little bit. <laughs> so I actually, I went in the trailer and I had to be, I had to do makeup to fucking make myself look like shit apparently. <laughs> So, <laughs> prettify your face. Yeah. Um, but uh, question for you. Uh, we're going to be wrapping this up. But I have a question for you. Do you think that uh, we might see any of these, any of, any of the Ennead? Is it the Ennead, the nine gods? Yeah. Do you <clears> think <throat> that we're going to see any of the Ennead throughout this series? No. It's possible, but you bring up something interesting. I like how Marvel is uh, giving credence to some of these mythical god figures outside of Asgard. It's like all of them kind of exist in their own little realm somewhere in the Marvel universe, you know, including you know the gods associated with Black Panther, the gods associated yeah. with Asgard. Um, it's like you know, basically saying that these myths are somewhat true or grounded in truth yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah we're finding out like norse mythology and stuff like that and asgard is real yeah, and, yeah, yeah. i really like i it. think we will i think we will see them i, I don't think give us this much exposition for nothing uh, I think in one way or another we will see them. I do too. I think I think, I think they're a big part of the story, Jake, as far as like them betraying Ahmet, and I think that we will get to see all of these gods and kind of like a like a council of elders kind of thing. Yeah, they'll come in and like rein in the situation finally, I think possibly. And we might even see all the different avatars for all the gods as well. Not just not just Moon Knight. So I'm 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 really interested in seeing that. Go ahead, Neil. I, I, I don't think we're going to get, like, a scene of all the gods gathered together. I think we're going to get continue to get references to this act. But I don't, I don't think that we're actually going to get, like, embodiments of these gods. Every time I thought that one of these Disney Plus shows was going to stay more grounded, they don't. And so... <laughs> <laughs> that's the, for the, the Mephisto stuff. Exactly. That, that's what. That's what I'm saying, though. I, I'm thinking they're going to go all out in this one. Just when you think it's grounded, <laughs> and we're just fucking, we're, 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 you know, they're covering Egyptian mythology and stuff, and we're not going to see any of it. I think that they're going to shove it right in our fucking faces, <laughs> like Eternals, man. In the Eternals movie, we're looking at Celestials. So. Um, I don't know. I think we will see it. And I have another question for you. Do you think that the time comes for, you know, Thor, Love and Thunder, and we've got Gore the God Butcher going around slaughtering gods, do you think any of the gods that we might mm. see in this could be some of the victims of Gore the God Butcher in the upcoming Thor and Love and Thunder film? Ooh. Well, what if that's That would be really cool. That, yeah, well, what if that's one of the ways that Ahmet's able to get out is that these other gods that help put her away – you know, have been killed by gore. And so it's really only Khonshu is one of the only ones left. See, like, I, I yeah. think it's more likely that we see the gods in Thor, Love and Thunder than in this show. I think it'd be cool to get a flashback to when she was original or when Ahmet was originally banished. Yeah. I think both is it the way to cool. go. Yeah. I think it adds a lot of weight to gore if he's 
murdering people that you're familiar with that you know it's not just random cgi image of a god that you're like oh my god he's taking down that you know yeah i agree but is 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 he like an all god butcher or is he a norse god butcher like how all all gods because yeah it's basically the none of the gods have been helping anybody is he is he a comic book character yes yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. jason aaron's first thor run Okay, yeah, I'm not familiar with him at all. So that that would be really interesting to see, like, some of the gods beforehand, you're right, um, in order to establish their presences as, like, good or bad or yeah. what, what the fuck ever. Sure, and then, like, the next thing you know, we're seeing Gore take down one of these gods that yeah. we saw in this series. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, <clears throat> I wouldn't put it past Marvel to, to set that up in this show. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of what they do. <laughs> yeah, they they like to set shit up in one thing and then have the payoff be in another thing. So, yeah, I mean, that's and I think it, it, here it works perfectly too. Because like, if you don't watch Moon Knight, you're still going to get the gist of it. Gore's killing yeah. gods, but if you do watch Moon Knight, it it just gives it that much more weight. Yeah, and you know, you don't have to do a backstory yeah. to this character. You like, know oh, who's right. getting murdered. This god was fun. This god was cool. Oh shit! Gore killed him. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the second episode. I feel like oh, me too. one. I, I guess I hate being the guy that's like giving it a high taste it because I'm just like, oh man, high well, taste it's still a good. good it's rating. still a good rating. <laughs> it's, Jesus Christ! I know, but I hate being the guy that gives it a high taste it because of just like minor nitpicks of like I want it to be a little bit more violent. I want to see a little bit more of this and a little bit more of that. I feel like I'm just like that uh like I'm a like a kid in the mall throwing a temper tantrum because I didn't get I didn't get my Dude. they sold out of Turbo Man and I didn't God get my Turbo it, Man. Brian. Dude, more often than not, more often than not, bait and switches really piss me off too. Like I, that kind of thing just really rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, they were really pushing, you know, all the quotes. We're not pulling back. It's going right. to be the most brutal thing we've ever seen in the MCU. Like those quotes are out there. It's not like you were imagining that this was going to be on a and certain level. I feel like I they still are. Pu- think I, it's I, going to go that way. I don't. I think I feel it like still could go that way. I don't think so. I feel like they're pulling punches. I think they are pulling their punches and. I I think they showed how they were able to pull their punches this episode by him see, blacking I, I out. I don't think we're going to see fucking Moon Knight just beating somebody so senseless he's got blood all over him and shit. I don't. <laughs> I, Ripping I, out I tones. I do think we're going to get that. And, and, like, I think that this was a really interesting way of introducing that idea into the MCU, but not showing it right off the right out of the gate. I think Kevin and, Feige's yeah. fucking definition of, you know, fucking bloody violence and my definition of bloody violence are completely <laughs> two different yeah, things. We're not, we're not talking hey. Psycho Gorman here. But I, I take you right back to I would take you right back to Walmart Captain America who freaking almost decapitated someone with a shield. It's like yeah, they can yeah. do that. You yeah. know, they can go, they, they can possibly go there. I mean, We've it doesn't have to actually show. We've seen some pretty show. brutal shit in the MCU. Yeah. And, and it may have been sanitized a little bit, but I, I do think we're going to get some visceral 
like ultra violence. Yeah, I was just kind of compa- some point. My violence was what I was comparing it to is I don't think we're going to see anything on the level of what we saw in a Daredevil Netflix, Daredevil no, Netflix no, series. I, I, I don't, and I felt like that's what he was kind of telling us we were going to get more closer to in this Moon Knight series. I don't think we're going to okay. get there. Well, I don't think we're going to get to that level because now you're comparing PG-13 to TVMA. Yeah. But, I, I, I do mean, think God, it's going to get more sweet. graphic. Yeah, I think it's going to get more graphic. I think we'll actually see real fight scenes. I think they filmed it this way in this first episode just to put us in Steven's shoes. And you can't also shock people in episode one who, you know, might be watching with little kids. It's almost like you have to kind of give them a warning that this is different. (laughs) I I watched Optimus Prime die when I was eight years old. (laughs) Yeah, no shit, no shit. This was a different time back then. Our childhoods were filled with people dying yeah old yeller they shot a goddamn dog they fucking killed a dog yeah bambi's mom (laughs) bam dumbo's mom dead (laughs) dumbo's mom get killed didn't she die in a fire or some shit no she just got she just got taken away i don't watch. i haven't watched dumbo in fucking 40 (laughs) years they get reunited at the end I oh. remember the racist crows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that song is amazing, though. Yeah, I, I hope it gets more violent. It's a banger, but... <laughs> I, I lean towards Brian. I mean, Disney made a lot of news in the last couple of weeks with kind of putting the the Netflix Marvel stuff on here. They have a parental control wall now. You can clearly see what's in front of it and what's behind it. Moon Knight is not behind it so far. It feels weird to me that if it was going to be behind it, they would do it episode by episode. I think they would they would either deem the entire series behind the wall or in front of it. And as of now, it's in front of it. So I, I can't really. But like, because this first episode is is strictly from Stephen Grant's perspective, it, and we're not seeing the, the ultra violence of the Moon Knight character in this first episode, it makes sense that they wouldn't have that behind the wall. I can see him beating the shit out of fucking these uh, Egyptian jackals like they're fucking... Well, that's you know, CGI as fuck. Exactly. Like, who, but, who gives a shit? Yeah, but when I fucking go and see the Batman and I see fucking Robert Pattinson punching fucking street thugs fucking 20 times in the face, like, that's a little bit more kind of like what I was going to – when I think when I think of like Batman pushing that PG-13 rating, it really did, man. The Riddler character, it really pushed – I don't think this is pushing a PG-13 rating as far as it can really be taken. Not yet. No, not yet. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's gonna, I don't think it will. I'm just throwing it, I don't think it will. I really don't. You guys, you yeah, guys I, seem to I, think I, it will. I, I do I, not. I don't think Kevin no, Feige. I agree, I agree with you, Brian. I want it to go further. Yes. My, my gut, my gut tells me that it's not. Yeah. See, I, I think they're gonna do the character justice and part of the character is this absolute brutality. Um, and so I, I have to think that they're going to go, they're going to show just how brutal this character can be. I think Kevin uh, Feige's a cult leader, and you're following his bullshit, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Spector is my cult leader. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, if Feige went out of his way to make that whole, you know, no, we're not pulling back. This is Moon Knight statement, and then it's all shit like this episode one. I'm going to be pretty upset. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, why would you even talk about it? I'll talk to you guys in six weeks. I'll talk, and we'll talk, and we'll we'll have a powwow about how fucking upset you guys are in six weeks. <laughs> I'll be or real how about happy it. That's we the case. are. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I did. I really did enjoy the episode. I'm looking forward to episode two. Um, but uh, that is all I have. Any final thoughts on uh, Moon Knight episode one? The what was it? The goldfish problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, this, this was great. Um, I thought it was funny that we talked about apocalypse as much as we did in a show starring <laughs> Oscar Isaac. <laughs> Ivan is. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I can't wait for episode two. Yeah, I'm looking yeah, forward I, to episode two. Yeah, go ahead. As a as a fan, like a major fan of the character, I could not be happier than what we got. All right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to episode two. I can't wait. Um, I really hope that this one, uh, at by its completion, I'm hoping I can say, man, that was a Tupperware. I really am hoping. <laughs> completion. All right. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Neil. <laughs> <laughs> I had to slip it in, man. Speaking of slipping it in, um, oh, oh. <laughs> you get five guys on a call and we fucking, oh my god, we get all perverted at the end. Yeah, get get the hose. Oh man! All right, guys. Uh, I don't know if we're gonna be doing. I don't know if we're gonna be doing bonus episodes for Moon Knight, but I'm sure we will be talking about uh, the second episode at least in our next episode next week. Um, but uh, everyone, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. See ya later, y'all. Oh fuck, Jake! I got We got to do plugs. God damn it. Joe, where can people? I feel like a dick. Joe, where can <laughs> rewind? Rewind. <laughs> Joe, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on my podcast, Startcast, long form conversations, new episodes every Saturday. You can also find me on Twitter at the Tubby Ninja. And uh, Neil, where can people find you, sir? Yeah, you can find me on uh, Smorgasbord, a Star Trek Universe podcast. Uh, it's been a little while since we've recorded because of issues, but we're out there. You can find us. It's easy. I, I, I love it when we have the podcast on, Jake, where they, they haven't produced content in a while. And then they, <laughs> and the, last, the last episode we reviewed was not good so oh no so it's like it's you're not in a rush to really get back yeah yeah you gotta I, take the good with the bad you signed up for this topic yeah you got it <laughs> actually <laughs> <laughs> but no like i, I always love talking to steven my co-host but i i work has gotten crazy and yeah i just haven't been motivated motivated to watch any more of what we were reviewing at the moment. All right. <laughs> and <laughs> join us. <laughs> it's a, I, I it's 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 I love the contract that you sign with your listeners. It's like well <laughs> you you can't count on us. Um, we'll, we'll. <laughs> Not at all. Not yeah. even a little bit. <laughs> <laughs>
um yeah and then man tristan you show up here and there man you're on our episodes you've done some start cast yeah uh, i guess if i'm gonna plug something it's gonna be when someone invites me to do something yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, we will see you next week. See ya. Later. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's race it, hey, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture push over. Pop culture, leftover, uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftover, pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and with the shaft the crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Culture pushed over pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Sure the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture push over, pop culture. Leftover, uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftover, sure the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers.